1: This is the Houndsman XP Podcast.
2: Good dog, get that bird. Get that bird in
1: here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. Hey, folks, I want to talk to you about an important piece of gear that you need. Check out Cajun hunting lights. I don't care if you're a coon hunter in the east, a big game hunter in the west, or a leopard hunter in South Africa. Having a light that is functional is important to running these hounds. I particularly like the micro gator hunting headlight when I'm bear hunting. It's small. It's lightweight. It's compact. It's compact and it's highly functional bright white lights red lights green lights it's all in that one small package but i just keep it on a cap early in the mornings looking inspecting tracks things like that i'm not uh, getting a little handheld flashlight out there it's on my head when i'm looking at something the light's shining on it it's awesome then of course you get into their high performance end with the rogueroo and their intermediate light they're all highly functional. And the thing about Cajun Lights is the customer service. It's a high-quality light, and L.W. is going to take care of you on the customer service. He just opened up a new store front in Tyner, North Carolina. You should stop in and check it out. It'd be a great place to hang out, swap a few stories, and uh, pick up a new light from Cajun Lights. You can find them at CajunLights.com. And on this episode of the Houndsman XP Podcast, we are going to the Northwoods of Michigan. I got a chance to sit down with Asa Briggs. Asa is one of those guys that's uh, pretty unassuming. When you see him at events and stuff, he's usually sitting back, keeping to himself. But I can tell you, he lets those hounds do the talking for him. We're going to hear his story about bobcat hunting. We're going to get his thoughts on some breeding We're going to hear about his multiple appearances in the final four of UKC World Championship, his success in PKC. Guys, you're not going to want to miss this episode with Asa Briggs. From world-class Bobcat dogs to world champion English dogs to the Hall of Fame, Asa's got some stuff to share with us. We also are getting ready for September, and September is going to be a blowout month for Houndsman XP. We're going to do all kinds of stuff in the month of September for you, the listener, because you've helped us get to a landmark, a mile marker for Houndsman XP, and that is 1 million downloads. We are launching a new website. We're going to be doing giveaways, and it's all going to be tracked on our Facebook group, called houndsman xp podcast group you're going to find us on instagram at houndsman underscore xp underscore podcast we're going to launch all that information roll that out and tell you how you can get involved in different ways to have a chance to win some great prizes to help us celebrate one million downloads we want to pay it back to you we couldn't have got here without you and i want to thank every one of you I also want to wish everyone who is traveling to Richmond, Indiana this week safe travels and much success if you're going up there to compete with your hound. You put in a lot of hard work. I hope you enjoy all the successes of that this week. The Old South Dog Box is rocking, and you know what that means. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. I'm in Morley, Michigan, up here talking to the famous Asa Briggs. (laughs) <laughs> you are. And and uh, I wanted to talk to you, Asa, because, for one thing, all the things you've accomplished with the English dogs and competition coon hunting, but but uh, I also want to talk about bobcat hunting and uh, you know the fact that you're using the same, same strain of hounds to bobcat hunt. Which do you
2: like more, bobcat hunting or coon hunting? Uh, to be honest, I'd rather bobcat hunt. I knew you were going to say that. Yep, it's very enjoyable. All right, so
1: Josh Michaelis and I got in this big debate a few months back about competition dogs and using them for, for big game dogs. Which is easier, train a bobcat with a hound or train a coon with a hound? Treeing a coon, definitely. There you go, Josh. We're yeah. calling
2: you out again, buddy. Yeah, there, yeah, there's no difference. The stuff a bobcat will go through compared to what a coon will go through. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: Now that we got that out of the way and I got to dig in on Josh, we'll uh, – We'll just go ahead and and start talking about some of the things your background, ASA, and uh, how many times have you got into the World Finals?
2: Uh, the Final Four, I've been in there three times. Yeah. With uh, Main Street Witch, Main Street Ruby, and then uh, Main Street Lucy. And oh. and all three of those dogs you bred and, yes. and raised and trained they 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 all are, they all they all came from here.
1: Yep. 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 And then you're also you also won the Prena points.
2: Yeah, I've won actually the uh, that three times. I guess I won the pre National Championship with uh, Main Street Wild Crow once. Uh, Main Street Witch won the English Division, and a dog I had back in the 90s called Hard Time Homer won the English Division. Yeah, yeah. And all how how closely related
1: are they to the the Main Street bloodline that we always hear about?
2: Uh Jack was directly off of Roy, which was off of uh, Stanley Nichols's uh uh spike dog, which was sunny Bred that come from Bobby Jeanette and uh Jim Chaffin's that that line of dogs.
1: Yeah. yeah, Yeah. And where's uh where's Stanley
2: located? Kentucky. That's what I thought. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So how'd you get hooked up with that line of dogs? Uh Homer got killed when I was coon hunting up in Alpena um in a kind of bear trap. And I was looking for another dog, a pup, to start and because uh, I didn't have anything else. And I picked up a Pro Hound magazine, and uh, uh, Main Street Roy had just won the national championship or the, the uh, money leader for that year. Mm-hmm. so I called Stanley up, and he said, man, all I got is this uh, kind of homely-looking pup out here. You, you you wouldn't really want him. I said, just keep him. I want to buy him. I'll be there next Saturday to get him. How old was he then? I think he was five months old.
3: Yeah. Yep. Was
2: he homely looking? Yeah, he was pretty homely looking. Big black and white ticked up dog. Yeah. Uh, pencil head at that time. He drank water out of a pop yeah. bottle. Yeah, but once he grew up, he, he fell out into a real nice looking dog. Yeah, yeah. What type of dog was he? Um, At first, he he'd tree coons all around you. Um, Had a super big go gear, uh, one bark locate, deadly accurate. But the more hunts I put him in the more he wanted to be away from everything, so he just kept blowing through the country on I me mean, to get away from dogs. Yeah. And and which dog what was that dog's name again? Main Street Jack. Main Street Jack was right out of Main Street Roy. Roy. He was actually a half brother, half sister cross. Uh the mama was off a of spike also. Mm-hmm. So You know those
1: You remember the year that Stanley won the the national the national PKC race? Yeah. He did that running up and down the road in
2: open events. I mean, I don't think he he didn't hunt very many big events to do that, did he? No, I don't believe so. And and that's why when I seen Roy on the front page of the magazine, that's why I called him to to buy a pup cuz I wanted to, I needed something else. I mean, he he drove
1: the wheels off a truck to do that. And uh that's kind of cool to think about all the miles that he put in and doing that in
2: 3050, you know dollar hunt type stuff yeah he was very dedicated once he put his mind to something he he went in after it
1: yeah i drew him up at saint leon and uh in roy's defense i mean stanley was getting towards the end of that run and uh he was get he was getting he was showing it you know he was showing it but uh he still looked good he looked decent but it's one of those deals that I'd hunt him with him before, and he just didn't look as sharp. I think running those roads a lot with those hounds like that—I mean, it takes a lot out of them. Yeah, living out of a dog box is tough.
3: Yeah, it's
1: a rough—it's a rough deal when you gotta. It says a lot about Roy and and how much <laughs> he could take, you know, to to be able to pull that off.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Did he win that? Do you remember? Did he win that year by a big margin, or was it a? No, it was a pretty big margin, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a tight. wasn't a tight race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and then from, from Jack, where'd you go with, with your hounds from Jack
2: down? Um, the next one that I kind of promoted was a, uh, grand night female called main street. Zoe made her a PKC champion. Um, I won the English invitational at English days with her. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of one hunt I like to try to hit every year. It's my goal. I try to have a dog ready for that one for English days. That's why I cornered you and roped you into doing this podcast.
1: Yep. Yep. And, uh, we kind of ran out of time down there and I told you I was going to be in Michigan this, this month and, and, uh, everybody's like, ah, oh, you won't get, I don't know. I don't know if you'll be able to get Ace to sit down with you and, and do a podcast. And I even had to do a little bit of sweet talking <laughs> to get you on here. <laughs> yep. But I sure do appreciate it. And then, uh, so what else did you accomplish with her?
2: Um, she, we actually bred her a couple of times and one pup off of her, uh, Rocky Hill cold hard B mm-hmm. will place second at, uh, PKC nationals. I think she's won somewhere around 70 or 80,000, I believe. Yeah. And that was off of Zoe and a dog called Rocky Hill rocker that, uh, a friend of mine, Scotty George owned in, uh, Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. Hey, what's, what's the story behind that dog? She so I've got never mates. got Main nope. Street on one
1: side, and then what's the top side? That look like
2: um, similar breeding to uh, would be Jack's Mama. Goes back to Woodstock Grizzly mm-hmm. and some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a blast from the past. Yeah, yep. the a lot Woodstock of older stuff. stuff. That was Kentucky bred too, right yep. down there in Northern yep. Kentucky. Steve Allen and and those guys. <laughs> I had a pup out of. Um, you remember the old Greedo dog? Yeah. I had a pup out of Greedo that was coming along. He ended up uh, contracting heartworms, and he had them from birth. Wow. When we did the, my vet, I had a really good vet at the time, and uh, he did the necropsy right there in the la, in the clinic and uh, peeled that chest open and, and popped that heart. And uh, when he opened that heart up, I mean, it was like uh, like looking at the inside of a baseball. You know, it was just like as soon as we popped it open, it, the worms, the heartworms just kind of exploded out. So he died of congestive heart failure due to heartworms. And the dog was only 14 months old, 13 months old at the time. Wow. Yeah. He was a good looking pup, square headed. He wasn't quite, he he hadn't really filled out to his frame yet, but he was coming along good. But I noticed that he had had, he would choke down real bad on trees. You know, he'd go in there and get treed, and then he he could act like he was trying to catch his breath and couldn't <laughs> hardly tree. And and we did a couple things. We actually put a uh, a stent in his esophagus because we thought his esophagus was collapsed a little bit. So Galen, my vet at the time, actually went in there and did that surgery and put a plastic tube in his throat and uh, opened that up to to help him breathe because it looked like his. Trachea wow. had been crushed a little bit. Oh, that's pretty different. Yeah, it was a, it, it was one of those deals. He's like, "You mind trying this?" I'm like, "I like the pup. Let's see what'll happen here." Yes, you know, and and I, he was my neighbor, and he knew it was kind of an experimental deal. And I thought, "Sure, why not?" He, I don't even, I don't even remember him charging me to do that. <laughs> Good guy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what else? Wh- wh- That's not all the dogs you got (laughs) and all the things you've done. Let's just kind of walk through them.
2: I've been pretty blessed with uh, the dogs I've had over the years. Kind of started out with a hard time homer. He was back in the early 90s um, into 2000. He was the first good competition dog I had. Um, I won uh, several hunts with him, English days, uh, the Prina part, the English part of the Prina deal. Mhm. Um that kind of thing. Didn't breed many many females to him. He wasn't much to look at. He kind of had long hair on his tail and on his belly. Kind of looked like a bird dog. But, <laughs> I wasn't uh, going to go there. But, I wasn't going to bring the English setter into yeah, it. Yeah, he he definitely had some in there yeah. back in there, but uh I enjoyed him a bunch. He 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 taught me what a good Coon dog was supposed to be like. Isn't that something when you get that
1: dog that actually starts teaching you what what Coon dogs are supposed to yeah. be? Yeah. Yep. Did you raise him from a pub?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, kind of a neat story. I uh, went with a buddy of mine to Black and Tan Days at Richmond, Indiana. First big hunt I ever went to, and uh, I wanted to spectate with some of these big-time dogs that I've been reading about in the magazines, and this was in the early 90s. And uh, I asked a couple of the guys, and they kind of just shrugged me off because I was a young kid, didn't know much, you know. Mm -hmm. They didn't really want to take me along. Well, one person that this became a lifelong friendship was uh irvin sutton oh yeah and uh, anita i was just and, looking
1: at his picture today on uh ukc's page he had a picture urban on there
2: yeah he uh he said yeah jump on in with us and i got to see dark shadow dixie go mm. and uh, i was just floored impressed how quick he called her on them trees i mean it was just she operated like a machine that night and, and won mm-hmm. and uh i ended up calling him up a few weeks later and I end up. We just. I went down hunting with him, and we just became friends. And I I look up to him now as a a father figure. Yeah, he's he's been really good to me. Irvin was always packing a coon dog. Yeah,
1: I mean, he if he shows up at a hunt, and he always had his wife with him. They always travel together, and uh, if Irvin showed up, he was always quiet. He was always standing in the back. He'd talk to his friends and stuff, but he wasn't loud. He was just. Um. But you knew that if you drew Irvin, you were going to have your hands full. Yeah.
2: Yep. He's from right there. Isn't he over by uh, Bedford, Indiana? Yeah, right in that area. Yeah. When I first met him, he uh, he was lived in Salem. Now he lives over in Camelsburg, which is not too far away from there. Right. I used to go down there five, six times a year up until my, my 30s and stuff. And then I just kind of slowly fell off, couldn't make the trips as many times as I wish I could.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Man, don't pass it up because Irvin's no spring chicken anymore. No, I gotta get back down there and go with him. How old is he now? Uh, I'd say he's in his late sixties. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I believe. I bet he is because when I was,
1: I don't know, early twenties, he was probably. I'd give him ten,
2: fifteen years on me. So yeah, that'd be about right. Yeah, that's that's where my my first where Homer came from was from him. Yeah. They uh, made a cross with Hard Time Mouse and uh, Garriott's Magic Cricket that Kevin Garriott owned, and I bought two pups off that cross. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up with another one off the cross, too, and they all turned out to be good dogs. But Homer, he was just the the next level. Yeah. So he was my first big-time competition dog. What did you do with him? I mean, as far as,
1: you know, how did you put him in your breeding program? How did you you know did you did you talk to irvin about it or some other english breeders or what did you decide with him
2: uh not really i I ran a after we granted him out we bred a few females to him His pups seem to be pretty good dogs but like him a lot of them had hair and black and white and guys a lot of english breed like the the pretty red ticks oh yeah me i'm i'm kind of different i like the black and white ticked up looking dogs i I just like them better
1: So. so did you put him in a breeding program here for you
2: yeah yeah. using for your personal use then yep pretty much just my personal use i bred four or five females of my own to him and what really worked good was when i crossed jack onto homer females we uh we had really good luck there okay so you took
1: homer and you bred him to your females you'd keep female pups out there and then you'd cross cross that over onto jack yeah or Jack over onto that. Yep. What what kind of dog did it produce? How did it improve? I mean, if Homer was the first dog that you found that that taught you what a coon
2: dog is, then what do you see all these pups? So you're like, man, I really like this. Uh better layup ability. They were they could tree the coons when they were just sitting around fields that had been up for quite a while. Yeah, and that's where Homer was really good at. Mm-hmm. So, so describe Homer. I guess maybe we ought to describe
1: Homer and then describe. You know, go back and compare side-by-side side to what Jack was and,
2: and find the... So, what type of dog was Homer? Was he a big wide hunting dog? Was He He, he would hunt wide, depending on if coons were moving. But if you put him in a 20-acre a plot and there was five coons in there, he'd probably tree four out of those five Uh huh. And, and do it fairly quickly. Yeah. So, where Jack, he might have treed one or two. Uh, he was more of a dog looking for a track rather than a, a coon up a tree. Could Homer run a track? Yeah, he was real fast. Didn't bark a ton on the ground. Um, he'd bark eight, ten times, and then big old dying locate. Sounded like a, a hoot owl coming trade. What year would that have been? Um, I won English days in 98 with him, and I think it was 2000 I won the Outstanding English Coonhound of the Year. In 99, I think I won National Grand Night at Autumn Oaks with him. Okay. So... So you just keep stacking up these wins that I didn't know about. That's why I don't talk to you about
1: it before we start recording, ASIC, because you bring out all these surprises for me. Um, the The thing I'm wondering is, I wonder, was he a tight mouth dog on track then? Yeah, yeah. I wonder how long he, had,
2: he would work a track before he would open on it. I'd like to have a Garmin now that's back what, then so what, yeah. I could, could see more of what he was actually doing. But it wasn't – every time he unsnapped him, within 15 minutes, he'd be treed. I mean, so do you think of he was? Work?
1: do you think he was more of an ambush-style dog that was running through the world looking for a track that he wanted? You or? mean
2: Jack or Homer? Homer. No, Homer, he was looking just to tree coons. Yeah. Jack, he would ambush a lot of coons. But Homer's the one that was tighter on the
1: ground, right? Right. right. And he'd be treed within 15 minutes. Yep. So – in my mind, I'm thinking that you know he he was probably passing a lot of of colder tracks and looking for that one track because he wanted to get a coon in a tree and he learned if I pass this one and I take this, boom, I can tree it. You think he took his tracks as he came to him, or am I reading it no, I, wrong? No, I, I think he took a track as he came to him. And he was just that good of a track dog. Yeah.
3: Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So how did Jack differ in that in that way?
2: Uh, he actually, he was more of a quicker style hunting dog. He, uh, when you turn him loose, he looked like a greyhound running. I mean, he just bust the country quick. And it didn't matter which way you pointed him. If the dogs went that way, you could point him that way and he'd just go like crazy. So he was a little more ambush style, looking for a track to run. Uh-huh. I think, uh, I, I I bobcat hunted him too, so I know he had a good nose on him. Yeah. So. Did you bobcat homer? No, I never did. Never hunted him. Have you bo- Have you bobcatted his, hunted his pups? Uh, some grand pups to him I have. Yeah. Yeah, I had a dog uh, I called Grizz. I had one, placed him third at the Invitational at English Days, won night champions, that kind of thing, Grandied him out. He ended up being sterile, so uh, I just started uh, bobcat hunting him, and uh, he did real good. Yeah, we'll get into what makes a good bobcat dog here in a few minutes. That's
1: what I really want to pick your brain about. <laughs> But, uh, so you got those pups out of Jack and, and, uh, um, uh, oh, what am I thinking? I'm having a, I'm, my mind's spinning too. My Homer famous. Homer.
2: Yep. Homer. Yeah.
1: Homer and Jack, you brought that blood together. What kind of dogs did those produce
2: that you really liked? They were, uh, more balanced. They would, uh, uh, tree more layups. I had a female called main street, Witch. uh, Placed her second at the World Hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, she she was a real nice dog. Uh, she'd bust the country and she'd tree coons right here next to you, just depending on if they were moving or not. Is that what you're talking about when you say more balanced in that hunting style? Or yeah. Were there other things about it that made her more balanced? Uh, it it improved on the mouths a lot too, crossing them onto Jack. Because mm-hmm. Homer had kind of a, a cur dog, high pitched type mouth. It's that English Setter coming. Yep. Out. Yep. <laughs>
1: but uh when you're when you were thinking about making this cross what things did you see that you wanted to improve on from homer that made you take these pups to and and cross them into jack stuff
2: i just i loved the way jack had treated and i liked the way homer treated and i figured that they would just complement each other okay. and especially the the lay ability uh being able to trail coons so you took two strong dogs that you really like
1: the training ability, which is good, and you knew that you were gonna you were gonna not lose that and maybe even improve it, so you doubled up on that, yep, what about tracking
2: ability? Uh, it seemed to improve it I mean they they seem to have really good noses on them,
1: yeah, what I'm trying to do is set up a picture here of what a breeder thinks when they're getting ready. you know you're sitting here with with all these these good dogs, and none of us breed hoping that we take a step backwards we're always breeding to to improve on what we got because there's no perfect dog right. so that's that's what i'm trying to talk you know paint the picture here of what made asa briggs say i've got a really good dog here and i've got some really good females out of jack here i think this could work what were you trying to what were you trying to what was the silver bullet you were trying to come up with because i've i've always got one when i
2: make a cross i look at it and i think yeah this could work pretty much like that i mean you just you think it's all going to blend together the pedigrees everything you just figure the all the good characteristics will, will pop out
1: but how do you how do you avoid how do you avoid the bad stuff you know because like we said there's no perfect dog right
2: right uh pretty much you know try to get them into the right people's hands it'll do them justice so, that you, so you know you know if it's the cross or if it's way they were handled yeah yeah that's a big key that's
1: that's a tough one once they leave your place and let you you lose a lot of control at that point yeah and uh, so i've gotten to the point where the last two litters i've raised i didn't even advertise them you know i went out and picked and recruit I recruited people to take my dogs you know so that That's the best way. And and when you like a guy like you I bet you don't even have to advertise
3: pups.
2: Not very often. Um, I I've given away a lot more than I've ever sold probably just I I just soon get them into the right people's hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've got a job.
1: Yeah. You know, you do this for fun. You breed, right.
2: you breed and do everything for well, fun. Well, my wife says this is my second job, so Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. slowed down a little bit here as I've gotten older, but I used to be crazy with it.
1: Yeah. How old are you, Asa? Uh, 49. Yeah. You're not too far behind me. You look a lot younger than I do. <laughs> Must be a, snor- a clean northern living yeah, up it's, here. it's got to be the air up here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what kind of stuff did you accomplish with those pups out of the the jack and the the uh cross that you made there in homer
2: the only two crosses i made onto the homer females we ended up with grizz and i had a female called fly um which she went back to everything i've had since i was 15 and uh of i'm still hunting the same line of that type of dog right and then the other one i had uh crossed another homer female on there we end up with witch radar and uh jackie and Jackie was the mama to Lucy that we placed second at the world hunt. Okay, so, yeah, and uh, uh, which she had placed second. So that that cross right there was probably the best one uh, for reproducing on the female end. Yeah, yeah. So let's 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 jump into
1: Lucy. You know, and and what set her apart? Did you? make that second place appearance three times with her
2: No no uh Main Street Witch was in 2020 or hold it uh 2012 uh Main Street Ruby was 2013 and then Lucy was 2019
1: Okay and then the Lucy and Witch female were they sisters Yes
2: Jackie and, and Witch were sisters Were they litter, ba- litter, litter made ma- sisters and, and then, you placed both of them second in the world, huh? No. Uh Jackie was the mama to Lucy. <clears throat>
1: okay. So Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting lost in the sauce here with everything. All these dog names getting thrown at me. But you had did you have two litter mate sis, sisters that you placed? Well, uh half sisters. Half sisters. Ruby and Wit were both off of Jack.
2: That's pretty amazing. That you take and those were back. Back-to-back back back back. years. Yeah. Now in Louisiana and then in <clears> Kentucky. <throat> Everybody says the dogs from the north can't tree coons in the south, but uh, I didn't do too bad. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I've seen the opposite. Um, and
1: I think it depends on the dog. I think you a know. lot of
2: it's the way you train them. A lot of guys want to try to hunt right on coons all the time, and sometimes you got to take them places where there ain't no coons. Yeah. Teach them to go find one how much how much standing water you got out here in these woods Uh, i can go places it'll be up to my waist and i can hunt it i can go up to what i call porcupineville where there's no coons hardly at all you you might tree one or two a night so i can put them in a lot of different situations
3: yeah
1: i think that's what a lot of people miss about michigan is you can get into some swamp country in michigan there is no doubt about it and um it's not the big vast swamps that I've seen in southern Georgia and Louisiana like that. But 100, hundred, two hundred acre swamp isn't unheard of right up here.
2: And that's that's where I look for the bobcats.
1: <laughs> it, but uh I think it goes both ways. I think it depends a lot on the dog. The dog that uh has that special, you know, that, that drive and that heart. That to just get out and find coons then that's where you find out if you've got a dog you can take anywhere and drop them and they can tree coons you got a special dog yeah dogs that can handle the travel handle the different train changes different stuff like that you know have you ever sent any dogs out west
2: yeah actually uh utah i've got a few <clears throat> few guys out in that area that uh bear and cat hunt that uh have bought dogs off me are they northern or southern utah i think in the northern
1: part yeah yeah i wonder how they would do i wonder how they would do in the south, southern part down in the red rock and the dry the dry country
2: I've, I've sent several to west virginia north carolina south carolina guys to bear hunt down in there mm-hmm. and they've done pretty good there on, on the bears
3: yeah Yep.
1: yep that southwest country out there in arizona and utah it's almost like people you know guys from out there and i know several of them and and i love all of them they're great guys but it's almost like they don't think that a dog can come from the outside and come to that country and and be able to be successful and um there may be something to it i I, i'm trying to prove them wrong i just can't get out there enough to do it (laughs) uh no it's uh it's all good stuff so um Let's talk about those world hunts real quick, because I know for myself, watching that final cast coming in, who'd you draw? Who were you hunting, and who'd you draw in 2012? Uh, you were hunting which?
2: Yep, it was Rick Stretch, um, a young boy from North Carolina, and then uh, a guy from Texas. I don't remember. I think his name was Van. What color? The, what color f- dogs were they? Hunting? Oh, they all had Walker dogs. Yeah. See, that's why I was pulling for you. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Like- we actually had to go into sudden death because we didn't have a winner, <clears throat> the the first part of it.
3: Yeah. So.
2: So he came back in dead cast. Well, we just we uh, drove up the lane further from where we were at and recut for one hour. Was it a dead cast or was it a was it, a, no, it was t- a straight up unbreakable tie? No, it was a dead cast. Everybody had zero or minus. Yeah. So And then you went
1: up the road? How were you do- I mean, were you sitting at zero? I
2: was you- sitting at zero. Yep. I had fifty and then a hundred and a quarter on a tree by myself, couldn't find a coon. Ooh. Yeah. That would've won it for me. Man. Yep. So what did it
1: feel like going into that sudden death one hour? cast afterwards knowing that
2: i mean you, you got to be nervous yeah I, I was a little nervous that time it, right at, we turned them loose and they all pretty much struck right there where we turned them um i had struck for a quarter and mine just peeled right-handed and just come treat so i i was the first one treat but we had a four-way split there and we couldn't find mine uh two of the other dogs had coons and then the other one we couldn't find and uh that ended up it for for Rick Stretch and Frisky that year.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's it like going to that that Final Four? Because everybody thinks about it. Everybody always dreams about it. So, what's it like going going all the way through zones, all the way through the top one hundred, and getting to that Final Four?
2: It, it was pretty tough. It was a little nerve wracking. Mm hmm. Yep. The first year, anyway.
1: Yeah. So, yep. Um. Uh, how'd you prepare yourself for it
2: just told myself whatever the dog did that's what I was gonna call her for Uh uh-huh
1: and uh whatever happens happens how do you hunt a dog coming into the world hunt to get them ready for that that stretch right there
2: I'd hunted her a ton by herself Mm -hmm. I mean I I hunted her probably if I recall probably 40 out of 50 nights straight pretty much trying to get her ready for it
3: yeah
1: did you hunt her exclusively by herself during that time, yeah. or did you? Yeah, I
2: didn't put her with anything, just
1: what by herself. What was your thinking behind that?
2: Just wanted her to her to focus on her job, mm-hmm. just tree and coons. Didn't want any distractions. So when it came time to put her with the other dogs, she she wasn't even gonna pay attention to them. Hmm.
1: Hey, have you guys heard of Dogs Are Tried? That's that company that we keep plugging on this podcast because dogs are Cre supports your lifestyle and they do that by contributing to all kinds of hound associations across the United States. but the way they really do it is they produce products that are useful for you and your house. When you look at the products, like dogs are hydrated, you're going to keep those dogs hydrated in this hot, hot weather. And then paws are protected. You got to keep a hound on its feet if you want them to keep hunting. And then their tie-outs, their premium tie-outs are out of this world. We just been talking about them on social media and stuff. You know, literally, uh, Lauren says she can get dogs out of the truck and tied out in under five minutes. We're going to have to see a video on that, but check out dogs are treed at dogs enter that promo code HXP 20% off. You're going to get 20% off your order on the best gear in the industry by the best company in the industry that's producing high quality gear for you. Check out dogs are treat. Also check out freedom hunters fall is coming folks. If you haven't made plans with me yet. To coordinate a Freedom Hunters event, take America's heroes or returning veterans who are coming off active duty, recently home from deployment, or somebody that's a veteran or a Gold Star family member that wants to get into hunting, Freedom Hunters is the thing to pursue. I've been on several of these events, high class or high quality. You heard Seth talk about going to uh, Canada, British Columbia with Freedom Hunters. He had a blast. We did a whole episode about it. You're missing the boat if you're not paying it back. Check out Freedom Hunters at FreedomHunters.org. I always i I've had dogs where when you did that with them, and then you put them with other dogs, it kind of blows something in their mind where it's like, oh, when, you know, and they get into party mode a little bit for the first first 15 minutes of the first tree. So I was just curious, but. It's, the other good thing, I think, about hunting a dog like that for that amount of time, for you, the handler, you know everything yeah. she's going to do. Yep. You're going to know every bark. You're going to know, man, she's she's slow getting struck in there. What's going on? Or, wow, she treed quick. Or, she didn't sound right
2: when she came on that. Yeah, definitely would know everything. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yep. Okay, so you went 2012 and then 2013. You make another run at it.
2: Yeah with probably the best competition dog i've ever had in my life and um, what was her name main street ruby main street ruby hall of fame main street ruby yep yep they uh that i was really nervous then because uh i just actually got a cell phone and i'd watch on the internet people wishing me good luck and all that stuff and that kind of <laughs> that got to me yeah i mean i felt pretty i was pretty proud but i was uh it kind of tore on me a little bit and then uh uh, some of my friends uh rory cowles and some of my buddies from down there come down to kentucky yeah to kind of root me on and stuff right. and uh, uh the one one of my buddies had brought uh his daughter and uh she had bought me a dog collar and it said on there good luck ruby and uh man that tore me up yes yeah. no pressure Asa. oh <laughs> that that got me there that yeah. must have been the worst i had to go out back and sit in the truck and just kind of get away from everything and get my getting my mind right yeah so who'd you draw that year you remember um it was just a three dog cast uh we had some bad storms and the early round that night we where we had hunted uh she had treed she made four trees around this cornfield and treed three coons uh-huh. but they, they were all sitting up because it was raining so hard yeah so it was her main street john the baptist who was off of Roy, yeah and then a, a walker dog that uh, elvis kaufman was hunting Who owned that John the Baptist dog? Um, I think Randy Leonard owned him at that time. I'm not sure. Did Larry Wilcox end up with him? No. uh, Jason Bullard in Georgia.
1: Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, early round, the final round was a three-dog cast with
1: John the Baptist and and the Walker dog.
2: Yeah. We made a couple trees on the final round that were circled. Uh, Mine got off to herself. And treat a, a coon, but we couldn't find it. And they treated another tree, up a uh, little apple tree. We couldn't find them. Then we treated a den tree together. I treat that one. And then uh, Elvis' dog uh, treated a possum and got scratched. Mm-hmm. And uh, John and, and her were together at first right there on the possum. But he decided uh, he better take on out of there. And he, he blew the country and ended up treeing a coon. And mine ended up uh, left-handed from where they were. Yeah, so he ended up beating me there.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, that was a That was a good year for English yeah. fanciers. You got yep. two dogs in the final cast. Blue tick, blue tick. People would love to to get that opportunity. Got to find some blue ticks that can make it first. <laughs> oh man, we 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 root for him every year. Uh, it's always funny when World Hunt comes up. This could be the year. This could be the year, and then. Come up with a glitch and a you know a stumble here or there, and before you know it, everybody's crying in their crying in their beer again, yep, you know, so that was two thousand thirteen. Let's fast forward to the to the last appearance in nineteen
2: uh that one was with Lucy and me and my friend Tom. <clears throat> he just lives about ten minutes from me. um we own her together, and he pretty much does all the hunting. Well, I had gotten Crow in the finals, and Lucy both yeah. So Tom told me he's just a pleasure hunter. He said I'm not going. You're gonna to have to find a handler. I asked and begged everybody around to to go down there. I, no, I couldn't get a handler. Yeah. And uh I said, Tom, you're gonna to have to ride down there with me. He said, I, I don't think I can. He don't like to get too far from home. He said right. a few health issues and he just don't like to do it. And I said, Come on, let's let's just do it. We'll get a motel. Everything'll be okay. And uh so he ended up going down there with me. Well. I ended up 16th with Crow and he ended up getting in the final four with Lucy. I said, all right, now tomorrow night, you, it's all you. And he said, no, I'm done. He said, it's all you. So <laughs> he turned the reins over to me. That's not bad for a guy that didn't want to get out of the driveway. He he was, it ate him up pretty good. He, uh, he was pretty nervous. Uh, he's, he's just more of a squirrel hunter, pleasure hunter. Me and him hunt together every night, uh, Well, that kind of debunks the whole theory that that everybody that hits
1: a big is a slick handler and, you know, all this stuff. I mean, you take a guy like Tom down there, pretty much all he did was strike Lucy, tree Lucy. Here's the coon.
2: He absolutely does not know the rules. I mean, hardly at all. He knows a few of them, and that's it. But he knows what a dog's doing. Yeah. And he's been around me enough. He knows, you know, how to call one. Right. I'm, I'm pretty quick when one comes on a tree to get it called.
1: Have you ever been minus for doing it like that? Have you ever taken your taking your lumps for doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh
2: yeah. <laughs> if they look up, I'm going to trim That's How do you that's, make, How do you make up for it though in a cast? He shouldn't have done it. It was his fault. The dog. <laughs> that's the way I always see it.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So uh, John the Baptist beats or no, John the Baptist beat you in 13 and or was that 19?
2: No, that was 13. Rackham Willie uh, was in the final four. There he you beat, go. He beat me there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. So who who all else was in that cast, uh, in the final
2: cast? A female called Secret, and then Million Dollar Baby Girl, I think her name was, from Pennsylvania, Randy Smith's dog.
1: Jason Cooper had the Secret dog, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. Because uh, Me and him rode together so really (laughs) yep in the final cast yeah yeah
1: he's just right here in north northeast northwest indiana
2: yeah i've known him for several years yeah good guy
1: yeah jason helped us with uh who's your tree dog alliance stuff when we were getting that off the ground and and uh yeah he's partnered up with alan holding now on some dogs
2: yep i drew him this last year at the world hunt uh and uh semifinals he he beat me with uh outlaw
1: yeah jason jason usually is packing a pretty nice hound yep he's got it right and he's ready to roll you know and he's got yeah he's he's good he's real good so how'd that cast play out
2: i was pretty much one-sided willie just waxed our butts did he yeah yep that's pretty much all come come down to yeah the other three dogs were just there he just pretty much annihilated the show. us yeah super nice dog yeah Matter of fact, a lot of the English guys are probably going to hate me, but uh, that's probably who I'm going to breed Lucy to this fall. No kidding. Yeah. He made a pretty good impression on me Yeah. that night. And J.R. was a class act. He uh, he could have lost his temper a few different times with our judge making bad calls in the cast, and he was a class act about it. So Did he... Uh so you're going to expri- register those pups X?
1: Yeah. Okay. And then will you bring them back? Bring them back to the English breed later yep. on? Yep. What do you think about that? I mean, <clears throat> you think it's going to hurt or help in the long
2: run? Or I never can tell. I, I think it should improve some of the things that I got. I mean, the way he operated. I mean, he he operated like some of the of my dogs. So do you expect to take a setback? for a generation or two or i wouldn't i wouldn't
1: think so because a lot of times what i've heard is when you make that first outcross on a different breed like that you'll get really good up front you know that next generation they can be dynamite but the reproduction ability or their ability to reproduce down the next generation may not be too good if you if you looked at that at all
2: uh, I bred a, a sister to Homer back in the '90s to a dog called Stylish Little Man, who was a a Walker dog, and there was four or five of them that turned out outstanding and uh, were really good reproducers too. Yeah. So. Why do you think Why do
1: you think some of the English breeders are going to be upset with you for doing that? Because
2: he's a Walker dog. <laughs> I, well. I like to coon hunt. I, I don't care what breed it is, and if I see something that I like, I don't mind getting it. And some of the English dogs I've seen lately just aren't getting it for me, yeah, well I,
1: I think all our breeds have those traditionalists in them, you know and and they they wanna that's not where we came from. We're trying to do it this way, let's keep it pure, but so sometimes had,
2: you gotta look out of the box,
1: I think the other thing that we might have lost sight of is prior to d n a just like Homer having long hair and different stuff like that, there were a lot of dogs. The, the old timers that you talk to um, that will actually talk to you will tell you, you know, this dog had papers put on it mm-hmm. because, and you have, they don't know where it came from. But there's a lot of lines of dogs out there back in the day that uh, they bred what worked and registered them accordingly and we were at a point in our cocoon hound history where that was i mean it's pretty much widely accepted right and then we got to the point where okay we've been here long enough if a breed can't stand on its own then that's why they started passing the dna stuff and i don't think it's a bad thing that ukc introduced the Exbred program because when you stay within those tight gene pools for so long you know, I'm not so sure that that's the best thing either. What do you think?
2: I think look, like I said, look out of the box a little bit, see what else is out there. I, I mean, uh, I don't see how it can hurt. Well, I got a plot down there. You can bring bring a female down and br- let I'll me bring- see him go first.
1: <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that. I'll <laughs> see it go first. Uh, you'd probably like him on bear.
2: That'd be all right. I, I, I call breed him to one of my blue ticks out here that I that cat hunt.
1: Yeah. I call them the trashiest hounds east of the Mississippi. I hunt, I hunt hogs with them. I hunt bear with them. They are not good coon dogs, but I'll coon hunt them to just keep them in shape. Uh, they can catch bear. Uh, good, good strike dogs, pretty good fast-track dogs and stuff like that. I've lion hunted with them out west, so I tell everybody I'm just hunting a bunch of trashy dogs.
2: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. They'll run
1: anything. They'll run anything. But... Uh, so 2019, you got anything in the, you got any secrets out there right now? Yeah, I got a pretty good one out here right now. You got a secret weapon out there. Yep.
2: You're not going to be able to go to the world hunt this year, are you? I can't. No. Nope. I got one. Well, my buddy Jason's going to take uh, our female, Ivy. Yeah. Uh, we placed her 16th at the world a couple of years ago. He's going to hunt her. Yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty much down for, for everything for the fall now. Right. right you gotta get healed up before bobcat season starts this back surgery's been a little rougher than what i anticipated right right that's the only way i got you cornered pretty much i'm stuck to the house right now (laughs) they won't let me drive or nothing yeah yeah
1: well um let's switch gears and talk about bobcats and bobcat dogs because you're hunting the same line of dogs for competition you're winning big in competition and you're hunting the same line of dogs on bobcat you
2: yep. jack was pretty much the first one that i started on the bobcats after i'd grandied him out and everything i started bobcat hunting him and uh all i did was i had an old blue tick female that i'd bought from leo Dowlands in the up um i put her down and uh just kind of walked him along on the track till he looked like he was going to take it and turned him loose and he liked him yeah so
1: and that was after he
2: was a Grand Knight. Yep. You'd grand Knight, gold champion.
1: No kidding. Yep. Yeah.
2: yeah I won about 11000 with him.
1: Yeah. Turned him into a bobcat dog. Yep. yep. I've got a blue tick female there at the house that, that I started running on bear last year. Grand Knight, PKC champion. And uh, it was just one of those deals. I was sitting there loading everything up to go bear hunting, and she was staying in the kennel looking at me. And I thought, well, I'll throw her in the truck so the wife didn't. And I just threw up on the rig, and she started rigging bears. <laughs> and then she started taking bear tracks, and then she started treeing bears. And
2: uh, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it was- that first cat that I put him on, he ended up catching it, and uh, uh, he didn't kill it. But they, uh, we got in there, and uh, he, him, and the blue tick female had it baited up, and uh, it looked looked a little rough in there. They, uh, it's about a thirty five pound cat. They uh, both got got their butts whipped pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Have you taken any pups and started them on Bobcat and switched them over to coon dogs? No. A buddy of mine's actually got a 10-acre fox pen over here, and I take a lot of my pups over there and just let them run loose. Mm -hmm. And once they get to running them fox real good, uh, I bring them home and start coon
1: hunting them. Yeah. So you start them just
2: in the fox pen. Yeah. And what do you think that does for them? It teaches them how to track. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, I think, there's five fox in there. My buddy Chad's got in there, and mm-hmm. he lets me bring them over there, and I'll leave them for two weeks at a time. And once they're running good, I'll bring them home and wait a couple of weeks and take them back over there for a week and just flip them back and forth.
1: Do you have problems on the outside after you bring them out? You got to ne- do a little trash breaking? Never have.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Well, I bring them home, and, you know, and then they might sit for a month or two, and then I'll show them a coon mm-hmm. and then just start taking them coon hunting.
3: Yeah.
1: So yeah. – So – i'm curious and this is the part i'm i'm convinced that you can take a highly successful competition
2: coon dog and switch them over i've I, you've done it i've done it i had three grand nights that i uh and pkc champions that i've I done it jack sugar and grizz i hunted all three of them on bobcats
1: after you accomplished what you wanted to accomplish with them and in competition yep kind of
2: retired them and then it's like yeah i still coon hunted them too but i uh once that snow flies i made up with cat hunting yeah you are yeah that's yeah well when i started
1: looking at your pictures and stuff you were showing me at english days i was like yeah i'm talking the right guy (laughs) have you ever thought about i'm i'm kind of wired the way like i'd like to take a dog that's an accomplished big game dog and then at two or three switch them and and see what I could do with them in competition just to go the other way. Yeah. You know, just take the opposite route because a dog with a lot of drive and a lot of sense and a lot of skills and a lot of talent, I think you could do it. It's another one of those theories. I hope I live long enough to be able to
2: prove it out. Might as well try it. Yeah. Yep. I've had a few of my buddies uh, that bear hunt right here around me. They've been breeding – they're uh, blue text uh, micro dog right now they want a little more tree power yeah so.
1: you got to get one of those pups and start them out and then or find a young dog out of them and then say hey i need that for a project and try to see what you can do with him in competition
2: yeah i, I was going to get one i'd have to ex breed them because most of my buddy's dogs aren't registered right i mean they, they don't care about papers they just they like good dogs yeah But i I was gonna get one off this last third but she didn't have enough right
1: right all right well let's get into bobcat hunting because i want to find out from you what you look for in a bobcat dog dog individual traits from from the type of nose to their tracking ability to brains to all the the key ingredients to making a good bobcat dog
2: the biggest key the dog's gotta be extremely smart because a bobcat is uh a very tough animal to run sometimes I mean, they'll walk, they'll walk down a track, turn around and step foot for foot in the same track for 50 feet and then jump 10 feet to the side and take off just to mess with a dog. So the dog's gotta be smart and be able to, to kind of focus on the track with their nose and their eyesight. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you've actually seen that by snow tracking them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I watched it happen one day. No kidding. Yeah. I was watching the cat and he kept looking back for the the uh dog he walked up the edge of the creek turned around walked 50 foot back in these same tracks jumped across the creek and come right next to me 10 feet i wonder what caused him to do that trying to lose the dog
1: yeah but something in his brain it's got to be some other element you know of of trying to outsmart a predator that got him where he knew to do that or yeah. to try
2: that deal i probably had him trained pretty good <laughs> <laughs> uh what other what other attributes are you looking for asa uh locating ability a lot of times <coughs> like a coon will go up the base of the tree a cat might jump eight or ten feet up to the top so yeah. the dog ain't going to get any scent except for what's you know in the air mm-hmm. so they got to be able to locate those cats again that goes back to brain
1: right you know and and drive of being able to recognize because i've seen this in my and my dogs uh, heavily big game bred dogs and their locating ability for coon isn't good yeah you know i'll see them they'll be sitting in an area underneath a mess above your head just treed. and now i'm searching for a coon i don't have that problem on bear or something like that you know that most of the places we're hunting hardwoods you know we're not hunting the three hundred foot ponderosa pines like they do out west most right. of the time, uh, so I get I get a lot of what I call area treeing. You know they're just air scenting, so I'm always out there puffing the wind checker and seeing which way the wind's blowing, and then shining in that direction and finding the coons sitting over maybe you know twenty thirty yards away, and that's not acceptable for me or you as coon right. hunters, right? But for keeping dogs in shape i don't get real excited about that on coon
2: yeah a lot of times the dogs won't be actually treeing on the tree they'll be eight ten twelve feet back kind of looking up in the area that they smell the the Mm -hmm. cat
1: yeah yeah and that's what we get into a lot out west in those big ponderosa pines is uh you know dogs sitting up on the side of the mountain you know way back and and you can just feel and see the air moving straight at you, and they're just treed right there. Yep. Yep. So what else you got? What else are you looking for in those
2: dogs? Uh, those are the two main attributes, uh, I think. They got to have a good nose, too. But, I mean, if they're smart and know how to work a track, they their their nose will come with it. Mm-hmm. So.
1: When you start talking about aging tracks and things up here, in michigan uh you guys i assume you get a lot of lake effect snow here yeah yep so um what do you think about aging tracks and how dogs how dogs take tracks i mean you're looking for a 24-hour old track you look because are you looking for tracks from the road when you're hunting up yeah
2: yeah and i usually try to i'm hunting about every day that i can so i know where the cat's Were yesterday, so I kind of know where to Uh to look to find a fresher track, and usually they're anywhere from about twelve hours old until you know some of them cross just before daylight. Yeah, so you just never can tell because cat a lot of guys don't realize but cats move a lot during the daytime too. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks they're mainly nocturnal, but they they do move during the daytime. You see a lot of bobcat when you're driving the roads up here. I've seen a few, but I've got uh, trail cameras behind my house here. So I, I see them go through there often.
1: Work smarter, not harder. Right.
2: And I know when they come through and I can, uh, a lot of times I'll be sitting in the recliner seven, eight o'clock at night and look at my phone. One just came through. I'll go grab one of my young dogs and walk out back and put it on it. Even this time of year? No, not this time of year. No, no. I'm I'm in coon hunting mode right now. Do you have a pursuit season in Michigan for bobcat or yeah. do you have to hunt during? Well, you, you can train pretty much any time except from april 15th through july 8th that period we can't have a dog in the woods at yeah, all the quiet unless, the quiet period right unless we're hunting farm ground uh with nuisance coon that type of deal yeah and then there's a little gray area there that it kind of depends on your local game warden yeah so yeah um do you try to hunt bobcat dogs in the summertime you no ever... i don't don't hunt them much during the summer I usually, uh, a lot of times, I'll loan them up to my buddies to, to bear hunt them. Yeah. I was
1: wondering, you know, like dragging roads and, and different things and trying to locate those tracks and trying to do it in the I'm, summertime.
2: I, I'm sure you could. Yeah. I, I just never have done it.
1: wonder if it's a, how the tracking and how the, you know, the tracks and how the dogs reacted to tracks and scent and stuff would differ from summertime hunting up here or
2: spring early
1: spring when there's no snow. Let's right. just say bare ground.
2: I think it'd be a little bit tougher, like, on them, but I think they'd do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you say you got some buddies that are taking your bobcat dogs and... They, they bear hunt them during the summertime.
1: No kidding. Yep. How yep. they do? Do
2: pretty good. Yep.
1: What uh, What kind of holes you got in them in your breeding program for bear, you think? Uh, You're not breeding for bear dogs, right? No, no. Ma- mainly for cat but, what, okay, so what do you hear back from bear hunters that say, man, I wish you'd put a little more of this in them, or I wish you'd put a little more of that in them?
2: Uh, the tree power, I'm lacking a little bit there. They don't, Really? Yeah, they don't tree real, real hard.
1: No kidding. Yep. I figured coming out of that coon dog, coon hound
2: stock, that it would, you know,
1: it naturally be there.
2: Yeah, a lot of it, they're better locators, uh, just because they've located so many coons over the years, you know. But a lot of them, are, the ones I've used have, They'll sit back. Grizz, he was a real hard tree dog. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Sugar, she treated okay on him. Um, Jack, he he treated pretty good on him. But do you
1: think? Do you think if a dog went in there and loaded up like we were used to seeing? I mean, all of us love to see that classic coon dog goes in there, puts his feet on the tree, and just racks them out, just like a machine gun, just
3: boom, boom. Oh, yeah, mine. Oh, oh, they oh. don't
2: treat quite that hard, but, but they treat pretty steady. I'll tell you what, a
1: lot of bear hunters don't like that. Just because they get tired, you got to leave a dog in there for four or five, six hours. Yep, and you get overheating problems. You get dogs that lose their voice. You know, all kinds of stuff. I know guys, guys that just prefer to have one. If they bark four or five times a minute, they're good. You know, right. Especially if you get out in the wolf country. Yeah, you don't want them to bark. Yeah. Well,
2: you got wolf country just in
1: a couple the, hours north. Yeah, north in the
2: UP. I used to cat hunt there all the time, and then wolves just got too bad. I, I give it up. Have you ever lost a dog up there? No. Nope. No, nope. we come close the last time I was up there, and I said, I'm I'm done with that.
1: Hmm. Yeah, this whole
2: – we talk
1: a lot about wolves on our podcast, so I'm not going to take us down that road. But we'll talk about that another time, But but Michigan – this whole region up here needs to figure out something on wolf management. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, we need something done differently. Is there anything? Are there any wolves below the bridge? Yeah, there, there's a few, but. Uh, oh my gosh. Not many.
1: Yeah, yeah. We can talk about why not after the we turn the recorder off. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, Asa, um, how many cats a year do you think you catch?
2: Um, the best year I had. Was probably about six years ago. Um, We killed 14. We treed or caught 24 altogether. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was just with two dogs. Same two dogs? Same two dogs. No kidding. Yep. You like hunting just one or two dogs on Bobcat like that? Yeah, because if you get any more than that, four, five, six, the ones on the back end, they're not getting any of the scent and they're not learning anything except for following the dog. Yeah. So usually there'll be one one old dog and a, a younger one uh huh that's it for a long time i just always hunted one
3: yeah so you got
2: there's only one dog to blame if they if they blow it up exactly <laughs> yep my one older female now a lot of guys don't like her cuz she's silent on a cold trail yeah but uh she catches a ton of cats cuz they don't know she's coming right by the time she's right on top of them and they don't know what to do so they usually Either fight or slide right up a tree.
1: No, she is she a pure English
2: dog? Half and half. Half what? Half blue tick, half English. Okay. Yep. And then I just bred her to a half blue tick, half English dog, and got some pups off that cross. Yeah. Yep. Did you ex? Did you X register them? They're not even registered. No kidding. Yep. So. Cool. I, I haven't registered any of them ones yet. Yeah. I may. I'm, I'm a. How keep old going are they? Off, uh, four weeks. Oh, they're only four weeks old. Yep, How old are your
1: oldest ones? your are uh, crossed up?
2: Uh, the ones two. He's with a buddy of mine for uh, bear hunting right now. Uh huh. So, why do you, what made you make that cross? I, I like the male dog a bunch. I mean, he, he was outstanding. He was a blue tick? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and in what
1: way? Was he outstanding on bobcat? Bobcat, fast, uh, stylish tree dog, big mouth. Blue miles. ticks aren't fast, they can't be fast. He's fast. See, now you're gonna. Now nobody's gonna. Everybody's gonna think we're we're uh, telling big stories because everybody just wants to talk about how slow those blue ticks are. I'm a diehard English guy, and this blue tick is fast. See, that's what I. That's that's why after talking to you for just a few minutes down at English Days, that's why I want to talk to you. You're a dog man that recognizes good dog work, and you're not kennel blind. And you, re- you just you like good dog work. Yep.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I had him here. My friend was in the UP uh, living and working up there, and I had him down here because he didn't want him to get ate by the wolves. Uh-huh. And uh, so I brought him down here, and, man, I fell in love with him. I, well, I liked him so much, I took him down and collected some semen for myself off him to use in the future.
3: Yeah. Where
2: so, are you guys going for that up here? Um, Bronson, uh State line, I think it's called now. Yeah, I had had him. It never gone was where I collected it, but I'm got it all stored down here.
1: Yeah, so it was a few years ago then. Yeah, because Dean's been gone for
2: how long has he been gone? Four years. Yep. Yeah, he he had all Dean had always wanted to come up and go cat hunting with me. Yeah, and he never got the opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's too bad. Yep, that's too bad, man. That guy, he uh, he kind of changed the coonhound world and the tree dog world on that sort of stuff. He was a great resource for the hounds. Yeah, artificial insemination, all that sort of stuff. I know the Kovacs, Ray Kovac out there, he spent a lot of time with Dean, learned how to collect. Since it was so far, Dean just showed him and told him how to collect and how to do a lot of the stuff. And then Ray Ray used a lot of those same things all the way out in Missouri.
2: Yeah, uh, Dean actually showed me how to artificial one naturally, you know, uh, yeah. side by side. And he gave me all the stuff, didn't even charge me. That's how good of a person he was. Yeah. And he said, here, just take this with you if you ever need to use it. Isn't that something? And I've bred. I Man's cutting into your own business at that point,
1: but you do it anyway.
2: Yeah, just that's how good of a person he was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. So, um, anything else about the bobcat dogs? We already found out that coons is easier than bobcats. I just want to re-mention that in case Josh McKay missed that.
2: Yeah, and if he needs to call me, and I, I can describe it to him <laughs> if he needs to. <laughs> i like it i like it or he can just come up here and find out that'd be the thing that'd be the thing because i know they got cats in missouri but the the hunting terrain ain't nothing like what i got
1: no this we used to come up to uh walhalla and stay up in walhalla and we brought our squirrel dogs we'd bring our squirrel dogs with us and stay up there at uh emerson lake resort yep stay right there we had all the man all the way around us and we just hunted for a week solid and uh it's big country it's not extremely rough you know it's there's some hills and stuff in it but nothing to get excited about and uh the road systems are good it's a nice place you're living oh, in yeah. a good spot right here Aisa.
2: yeah I'm, I'm in a pretty good area yeah yeah yep. do you bobcat hunt up through there yep yep all the way up cadillac east to east up through there yeah yep, yeah
1: well good deal man well i appreciate you sitting down and uh Sitting down with us and, and talking about talking about all this stuff. Next Sharing time, the
2: story, man. Next time you have to come up and go hunting with me. I, I should be in a little better shape. Give those me a- are
1: better podcasts anyway. When you come in, you've been wrung out from chasing bobcats all day and just talking about it. Those that's those are the best podcasts.
2: Yeah, you're more than welcome anytime. That'd come up and run one.
1: That'd be fun. I might have to bring a couple potlickers and put them on their own track and not mess yours up.
2: I've got several cats around here. I take pretty good care of them. Yeah? Yep. Yeah. This area, I don't kill any around here. Yeah. I just keep them for, for training. Uh-huh. So. And watch them on the camera. Yep. Yep. I know. I could I could tell you pretty much about where every cat within 10 miles of here lives or or across yeah. a certain spot.
3: Yeah.
1: Any Any word of advice for some of our younger listeners that are hoping to make it to that final four?
2: work hard put the hours in put the time in yeah that's that's a big key know your dog
1: yeah what about for for people that want to be bobcat hunters
2: i don't think many are cut out for that it can be a little bit tough do you have to snowshoe a lot of it yeah yep. do you uh ride snow machines up here i don't but a lot of my buddies use them most the areas i hunt i can drive around mm-hmm. um get within a mile of them anyway so yeah Yep. if i go north uh my buddies will use a snowmobile yeah yeah do there is anybody running tracked up side by sides out here yet uh, my friend just bought one so i'd I'd say that's gonna happen this year yeah Yep. you start riding around on that you might you might give up on the walking i probably would especially after this <laughs> back surgery i'm sure i'm gonna need something else this
1: winter yeah my first experience with that was in the rocky mountains and uh it can make you a little bit lazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty good setup. Pretty good setup. Well Ace I'm gonna turn off the recorder and uh, leave you with this. Till next time you follow your hands and I'll follow mine. Appreciate it, thank you. You bet.